Thanks for tuning into my new show, Get U.S. Market Ready with Italian Wine People. I'm Steve Ray, author of the book, How to Get U.S. Market Ready. And in my previous podcast, I shared some of the lessons I've learned from 30 years in the wine and spirits business, helping brands enter and grow in the U.S. market. This series will be dedicated to the personalities who have been working in the Italian wine sector in the U.S., their experiences, challenges, and personal stories. I'll uncover the roads that they walked, shedding light on current trends, business strategies, and their unique brands. This episode is proudly sponsored by Vivino, the world's largest online wine marketplace. The Vivino app makes it easy to choose wine. Enjoy expert team support, door-to-door delivery, and honest wine reviews to help you choose the perfect wine for every occasion. Vivino, download the app on Apple or Android and discover an easier way to choose wine. Hi, this is Steve Ray, and welcome to this week's show. Today I have as a special guest Riccardo Pasqua, who's one of the leading lights in uh, the Italian wine industry with a long heritage in the Veneto. Riccardo, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, and thank you for this uh, wonderful introduction. Pleasure to be here, Steve. Great. So tell us about yourself and how you got started in the business and kind of how you evolved to your current position now. We're, we're Later on in the broadcast, we're going to dig into uh, the structure of the company in the U.S., but give us some history on how, how you, where you guys were and where you came from. Absolutely. I started uh, in the wine business in uh, 2007, doing a little bit of everything, you know, as uh, you often happens in uh, family business. Then in 2009, uh, I started uh, our U.S. Uh, uh, venture. It was a good moment for me personally. So I took my wife and a newborn child and I moved to, to America, to New York, to, to start up uh, the, the U.S. business, which back then was literally zero and today represents uh, uh, one third of our overall uh, uh, top line. And it's, uh, it's our, our first market uh, and uh, the market where we invest the most uh, and uh, where we really see great potential for the future, despite the vigorous growth uh, that we experienced until now. So from 2009, when you moved to the U.S., you had to set up a, a, a new operating company. That one, one of the challenges that many of the people, the producers anyway, that listen to this show have is, gee, how do I come to the U.S. market? What kind of a structure do I have? How do I support it when it's not generating any real volume or uh, revenue or certainly profits? How did you guys uh, address and, and uh, resolve so, yeah, I mean, it, it, was, uh, it was quite difficult, meaning that, uh, of course, uh, uh, going, uh, moving to another country is always a good idea because you're closer to the culture, you're closer to, to their tone of voice. But, you know, United States is uh, very competitive and is very big, 50 states to cover. And as you know, uh, by law, you're going to be present with a distributor in each one of them. So... Uh, I needed help, and uh, and I found uh, in, in a very good friend, uh, Rich Scalfo, my mentor. So we we decided to to work together back in 2010, and uh, and uh, basically sharing uh, some uh, some costs uh, uh, in order to build our our team across the country. That that was a hybrid team, meaning. Uh, uh, half direct uh, and half uh, brokers. 
so it was very lean and uh, and therefore uh, easier to to approach in terms of uh, cost, of course. So so that was a real game changer for me. Uh, Rich became uh, again my mentor. I learned so much from him, and uh, he, he is a guy that uh, has a huge experience in the market, and he opened up uh, a lot of doors uh, for 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 me and for my company. Uh, and of course, uh, back then, uh, Rich was in charge of uh, New World portfolio and Pasqua was a great fit because it was completing the portfolio. And, uh, and so the synergies between the two companies were, were perfect. And in a few years, we, we opened up 47 out of 50 states. Now, Rich at the time was with, he still is, Carolina Wine Brands USA. In fact, for uh, he and I go back 35 years, back to Hublin, which was a predecessor company to Diageo. And, and I've always felt he was a mentor of mine. So enough about how wonderful Richie Scalfo is. So now you've uh, expanded the brand to 47 states. I think you guys also did a very good job of establishing in America a not only the brand presence of Pasqua itself, but also Valpolicella and Amarone and Ripasso and those types of wines. Not that you were the only one doing this, but uh, kind of renewed credibility, visibility, and interest in the part of the U.S. Would you agree with that? Well, I mean, I, I thank you for, for that statement. Uh, we, we, we like to think that we are ambassador of our community and territory indeed, uh, we, we, we really believe, we deeply believe in the potential of our red blends, uh, which, uh, you know, in the United States uh, have still a huge potential for, for growth uh, and, and for growth on, also in the knowledge of the people. Now, not many people know really the Ripasso and Amarone or better, uh, less than we, than we think. So, so yeah, I mean, we, we really addressed towards uh, those wines uh, our uh, message uh, and uh, yeah, it, it worked pretty well. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, I like to think we contributed uh, as well to building uh, the name of Valpolicella and Valpolicella Valley in the United States. So you had mentioned that the U.S. is about uh, a fourth of, of your volume. Can you give us a sense of what your, your total production or, or sales are globally as well as in the U.S.? Of course. So the output in number of bottles for the overall business is around 12 million bottles. So it's 1 million cases. I know in the U.S. you speak uh, in cases. Nine liter. It's important to reinforce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, U.S. represents uh, one third of the overall uh, business, uh, which is, uh, as, you, as you can imagine, has been a huge uh, driver of growth over the past 10 years for our organization. So in addition to the distribution that you were able to achieve during the growth period with Carolina Wine Brands, you are also very creative, whether it was you, when I say you, I mean Pasqua, it's the company, in contemporizing the brand, in particular for anyone who's been in Verona. They know that that's where Juliet's Balcony is. And of course, that's not really Juliet's Balcony because it was based on a fictional play. Yet it's still a place that attracts flocks of tourists, huge numbers of tourists. And one of the things that's unique about that, for anyone who's been there, you know this, there's a wall, this is on both sides, that people are encouraged to draw on. And it's been drawn over and over and over. Tell us how you kind of linked that idea to your label. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we, we were uh, growing 
growing back then it was 2013 uh, but you know i i felt uh, the need to have a, a series of uh, of products of wines uh, that uh, stand out you know that are not comparable to everybody else that uh, that try to bring to the table a little more and, and a little more uh, creativity and 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 uh, value added so i needed to have something that i bring to the american restaurants uh, and very quickly catch their attention and and uh, therefore very quickly have a placement so you know we, we used to have that wine since uh, a number of years passimento is a red blend igt uh, made with the same technique of the amarone with a very traditional label you know i was explaining uh, how it was made uh, the drying method uh, beautiful but uh, you know it was uh, it wasn't enough i needed an idea unforgettable easy to remember easy to to communicate and uh, and i was thinking what is the most important and famous thing from my city romeo and juliet even if it's a fictional as you mentioned it, it definitely was uh, what brought verona in the map uh, in the world so how can i communicate that uh, in a cool way in a in a in a urban way in a millennial way trying to speak the language of the new consumer so I went visit the the house, which is downtown Verona, but believe it or not, uh, I never visited many times in my life. And when I saw the wall, I said, "That's it, you know. That's that looks like a piece of modern art." And with the eye of a, a professional, cool photographer, we can really make something special. So I hired this photographer. He made this picture, and uh, and we tried on the bottle, and it was perfect because uh, again, it was looking like. Uh, piece of Jackson Pollock, a piece of modern art, very colorful, very unexpected for Italian wine, very unexpected for Italian wine of this tradition. So, you know, I, I imagine a special edition, uh, a one-off, uh, but when I presented it to the, to the, to the decision makers, it was a, an incredible success. Uh, and uh, from there really started uh, probably the first uh, blockbuster of, of our production. Romeo and Julia now is a franchise distributed in over 70 countries. And so it was, uh, it was amazing. You know, America inspired me to, to make this, uh, this wine. And, uh, and today is uh, the most uh, sold label from our house. Well, it certainly bent a lot of the rules that are out there in terms of it being an IGT and a kind of a blend with some association with the other Veneto production methods, Passamento. Yet it really is resonating with people as a brand. So, you know, one of the big things that we know that's kind of driving the U.S. market is this sense of discovery. There's this plethora of places people can go to these days to find information on these brands. And there's a story behind this, the story about Romeo and Juliet and Verona and all that to discover. I think it was actually absolutely brilliant and it really, really resonated with consumers. Uh, one of the things that uh, I was always uh, excited about this brand, we were at uh, Vinitaly probably four, maybe five years ago now, and you guys held a party in that the area where the balcony is and there's a adjacent building with a maybe two stories tall and we were up there and you had some players come and do the balcony scene from Romeo and Juliet right there at Romeo and Juliet's thing. 
I've since changed cell phones, so I lost the recording, but it was absolutely one of the most beautiful evenings I've had. The moon rising up over Verona, we're there with uh, in, with Van Italy and all these people and kind of reinforcing that plan. So how do you take that magic moment, if you will, and make it resonate with consumers? What kinds of things are you doing with this younger audience in terms of social media, marketing, um, become whatever the, uh, what are the initiatives you're uh, pursuing to build on this success you've had? Well, you know, from, from that experience, as I said, that Romeo and Juliet and everything that uh, was built around was the first milestone to a series of new products and activations and, and also to a new way we communicate uh, to, to, to the world. And, uh, you know, I'm proud to say that uh, we are, we were among the first uh, wineries to approach uh, the social media world uh, with an angle that uh, has been used before only by the fashion industry, the design industry. So we were the first uh, to start uh, using the help uh, of uh, the so-called bloggers, influencers, and all uh, those uh, actors uh, that back then were unconventional and there was a lot of skepticism around them as well, but they were a strong link uh, between uh, the the, the products uh, and the millennials. So by doing that, uh, we really shortcut uh, the the message uh, to uh, the target consumers uh, we, we have in our mind, we, which are the millennials. So all the products we generated since Romeo and Juliet have, have that kind of angle. And, uh, and back then, uh, there was 2015, we were one of the first uh, wineries uh, to invest uh, on Instagram. You know, back then, Instagram, especially in Europe, was, uh, was very small. Uh, but uh, we thought, uh, and Honestly, I saw what was happening in the United States where Facebook were, was more becoming a, a tool for information and Instagram was more really the everyday kind of lifestyle tool. We decided uh, to put uh, all our efforts uh, towards uh, Instagram and, uh, and then uh, again, history speaks by itself because Instagram replaced basically or in, in, in big part, we replaced uh, Facebook uh, and, uh, and uh, we were pioneer and, uh, and uh, we uh, built our following uh, via a series of events, which the Romeo and Juliet uh, you were mentioning was the, the really first one. Always inspirational, uh, always lifestyle events where uh, were invited not only decision makers and, and uh, influential people of wine industry, but also journalists and bloggers and influencers in the lifestyle, in, in, the, in the travel, in the, in the food business, uh, in, uh, in the fashion business. So it, it brought the message of uh, winemaking uh, more democratic uh, and uh, towards a wider audience. Uh, and that I think uh, it was our our secret of success, if you might call it like that, uh, in in uh, in the social media, which today I'm proud to say brings us to be the leader in Italy on on the Instagram channel. 
103,000. Uh, and, and it's all because, you know, we're talking about uh, steel wine. No, we're not, we're not talking about uh, uh, champagne or bubbles. So if you, if you take a look, uh, uh, there's not many wineries in the world with such following. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that was really the, the disruption, if you may. So using uh, uh, the approach uh, of the fashion business uh, towards wine was, uh, was the, first, uh, state, uh, the first milestone in that. And then from there, we developed uh, many other approaches. Uh, for example, the, the latest one that has been launched in 2018 is called Talent Never Tasted Better. It's a communication platform where Pasqua acts as a mentor uh, to local talents, financing them to achieve a particular project or a particular dream. And we started with, with three talents. It was one dancer, the only Italian allowed to Juilliard School in New York. And it was actually where I got the idea because uh, the, the sister came to me when I was uh, in a convention in uh, Vicenza and told me, I've heard about your American experience. My sister has a similar experience. Can you help me? So everything started from something very casual, let's say. It was the very first. Uh, so we helped her to, to pay the tuition very simply. And, uh, and uh, she, she got... Uh, the, the, the diploma a few months ago. Uh, actually, we are celebrating this Thursday. So there was a first, and there was a chef, Diego Rossi, from Verona as well. And he became probably the most popular one, uh, became a star in the Italian chef uh, scenario, let's say. And, and, um, and, uh, and from there, we started a series of collaborations in 2019, we signed uh, an agreement with Francesco Molinari, an Italian golfer, which was uh, is the only Italian major champion, hero of the Ryder Cup, uh, the, the previous one, not this one, that you, you won very largely. <laughs> and congratulations, by the way. And then, and then with a series of artists, uh, more than 20 artists, that... Uh, and this, this activation will be culminated in Vinitaly, special edition 2021, where we commissioned and financed an artistic installation to celebrate these five years and more than 20 collaborations that will, will end this cycle called the Talent Never Tasted Better. That was also, as I said, the platform of our communication towards social media as well, ready to launch the next, the next chapter, which will be launched in March 2022. But I cannot say anything about it. Cool. Okay. Well, maybe you'll tell me secretly in, in uh, Verona. Uh, also, as a reminder to those listening, Wine to Wine is taking place October 16th, I'm sorry, well, 17th through 19th in Verona. I'm going to be speaking on e-commerce and having some interesting, we're going to be doing some clubhouse interviews and some of the podcast interviews as well. And speaking about e-commerce, and that is, if you're interested in attending, please do and introduce yourself to me. Go to wine, the number two, wine 
wine2wine.net, wine2wine.net. Speaking about e-commerce, obviously COVID has uh, impacted this dramatically. We've seen tremendous growth and diversification in e-commerce options beyond just the third-party delivery services like uh, Drizzly and so forth. Where are you guys in e-commerce now that you have your your own U.S. marketing operation? Well, we, we have uh, e-commerce, uh, let's say, direct e-commerce platform uh, that you can easily connect via our, our website, uh, which serves only the local market, so only the domestic Italian market, uh, and which we use uh, as uh, more as a window rather than real business. As you very well know, it's very difficult uh, uh, that uh, a single winery can build uh, a meaningful business only with uh, their own products, no? because they are limited in, in selection. But it's important to be there because it's a great window to communicate and to show your, your, your silverware, let's call it, no? your best uh, of the best. And then we, we act, uh, of course, uh, with, uh, uh, with the major platforms, so indirectly, both in Europe and, uh, and the United States and uh, Asia, where we have uh, in China basically the same uh, uh, project as we did in the US, so Pasqua China. We have our own subsidiary, which has uh, a WeChat uh, channel where we sell uh, uh, our our wines and as well in China we have the Tmall uh, the JD.com uh, which are the main players uh, on e-commerce uh, side of the business in US we go via the the major platforms uh, and for the moment uh, that's uh, the plan have you seen any change in either distribution sales, shipments, or de depletions in the flow of goods now that the internet has been such a critical, become such a critical tool because of uh, COVID? Have you seen in that in terms of sales? Well, I mean, you know, the, the, for sure people had much more time to get informed, uh, to go a little deeper in, in the analysis uh, pre-buying, let's call it, no? So, uh, you know, the, the importance of the brand has never been uh, bigger, meaning, you know, the, a, a good brand that give comfort to the consumer and a good brand that is able to communicate uh, its values uh, without uh, secrets very openly. Uh, it's, it's very important, of course. And therefore, yes, I mean, we saw in, in the business... Uh, more interest uh, in products that uh, maybe before were, were more hand-selling uh, and definitely more interest uh, towards uh, uh, tracking, uh, back-tracking uh, all the information regarding uh, from which vineyard, uh, how the vineyard is cultivated. Uh, is it conventional? Is it organic? Uh, so definitely more attention towards, uh, towards uh, that aspect as well. Okay. Uh, the last time you and I saw each other was uh, in South Carolina a couple of years ago when you were showing off your new rosé. Tell us how that project has worked in the U.S. Yeah, that, that was uh, another great, uh, great hit, uh, amazing project. It's called 11 Minutes. 
uh, first vintage was 2016. Um, so, um, I mean, it's very recent, but in our very dynamic uh, recent past uh, feels like a lot of time ago, but, uh, but uh, yeah, no, 11 minutes was a, a pioneer as well uh for for some aspects uh, and i'm referring to the style of the winemaking back then uh, italian rosé were very different you know we're very very different in in style De- definitely deeper in color and and in the taste profile uh, when you say that you uh, let me interrupt sorry when you when you say that are you talking about uh, pasqua specifically or because I, I spent some time with the folks uh behind chiretto which is a traditional rosé franchise, if you will. I mean, you know, pretty old thing uh, on the east shore of Lake Garda. How does Pasqua fit relative to Chiretto? Well, the, the, the origin is exactly the same because 11 minutes is from, uh, in part, is from uh, the Bardolino area. It's a multi-vineyard project, so it's a selection between Irmione, which is the, the very southern tip, and Bardolino. It is... Uh, therefore outside of the Chiaretto appellation and uh, the Chiaretto rules uh, and was definitely launched uh, in a time uh, when uh, the rosés in general, Chiaretto included, uh, were very different. So it was very disruptive back then. It was uh, the, the, the first Italian rosé with uh, that tail color and that vertical uh, profile very very fresh very very straight and uh, and there was a success and, and back then uh, i like to believe uh, started uh, a process where many appellations uh, including chiaretto uh, started to do the, the their wines uh, in in that style which definitely was and is uh, more welcomed in very important markets around the world starting from the Anglo-Saxon markets. Okay. We're coming to the end of our time. And when I conclude these, I like to ask my guests, what's the big takeaway from the conversation and from this? Of the things that we talked about, is there something that someone listening can put to work immediately? The big takeaway is, uh, in one word, creativity. You know, Italians are are great... uh, minds, great artisans, great entrepreneurs. Our creativity is second to nobody. So let's bring it uh, everywhere in the world uh, proudly and uh, let's let's bring our wine uh, where it deserves to be. I, I would add to that that it's it's building on the core assets that define who you are as a country, as a region, as a city. And uh, I, I think the the Pasqua wines really do a great job of that. So congratulations on that. Thank you, Steve. Thank you very much. Well, thank you again for for being a guest. It's always a pleasure. Uh, I look forward to seeing you uh, at Wine to Wine. I think this will air just before that. So this is Steve Ray saying thank you very much for listening. Come back next week and we'll have another interesting interview to share with you. Ricardo, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Thank you very much. This is Steve Ray. Thanks again for listening on behalf of the Italian Wine Podcast. Hi. 
Hi, everybody. Italian Wine Podcast celebrates its fourth anniversary this year, and we all love the great content they put out every day. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People has become a big part of our day, and the team in Verona needs to feel our love. Producing the show is not easy, folks. Hurting all those hosts, getting the interviews, dropping the clubhouse recordings, not to mention editing all the material. Let's give them a tangible fan hug with a contribution to all their costs. Head to ItalianWinePodcast.com and click Donate to show your love.